Good morning. It is February the 1st, 2021. It is snowing here in New Jersey. I love the snow. I kind of wonder why the cold weather is there without snow, you know, but I don't mind it with the snow in the ground. I don't know. It's just me. Listen, our reading today was Leviticus chapters 8 through 10 and then Psalm 32. I'm going to title this episode, Holy, Set Apart, in a League of Its Own. There is none like him. He is the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega. He's holy. You know, one of the... uh, One of the amazing things about being a pastor and being able to be with a congregation on a week-to-week basis is, uh, well, one of of my favorite things is when I get asked questions about the Bible. And I don't, I I probably can answer them like 40% of the time, (laughs) you know, but I love it because it brings me back to a place to number one, others are engaging the word of God themselves. That's amazing in itself. And then second, it causes me to go back and re-engage as well and to think about things some, you know, differently here and there. And um, one of the great features on this podcast is that if you scroll down to the end of the episode, if you're on a smartphone or on your computer, you have something with with a microphone, you can actually leave me a voicemail recording, question, comment, whatever it might be. So um, whereas if you're not available on a Sunday or this is like a Wednesday and you don't see me until Sunday, um, you can actually go to the bottom of the show notes, press the record a voice message button, and it will send a voice message to my email that I can then use to engage, you know, this podcast. So I would encourage you, I love that. If you have questions and or maybe things that stand out to you or you just kind of want to share and you can just tell me, hey, listen, I prefer you to not use this or to not tell everybody or, you know, you're, you're able to, whatever, you know, if you, if you feel kind of that way, you just want to send something to me and just be open to do that. But anyway, in regard to that, I was asked this past Sunday a question that I didn't have time to do um, a secondary podcast episode for, like I'm trying to do, and it wasn't intentional. Just you know, just like you, I have lots of things going on, and and uh, this isn't just a one-two step process, as it seems sometimes. So anyway, I I got into the beginning of Leviticus, and there are these like, if you remember, these unbelievably detailed instructions about how to sacrifice the animal that specifically sacrificed for the sin that was committed or the sin that was unintentionally committed. Um, And so I was asked the question, like, why do you think they were so specific with all of those details? And I thought I would share with you because this is a common theme that I see in the scriptures and that I actually look out for, I've, I've begun to look out for it, is there, there always seems to be this shadow in the physical realm that points us to the realities in the, in the spiritual realm. And I think that I would say that the details that are involved in the sacrificial sin offerings that we're seeing take place in the beginning of Levit- Leviticus and then even 
even today in our reading, I want to talk about today why Aaron's sons were like literally put to death. God, God literally set them on fire because of his holiness. But I think my answer was that as far as the sin offerings details are concerned, it would be really hard to just bring a sin offering and walk away and actually understand and experience the full weight of the sin itself. In other words, if you, let's say, like put yourself back in the time when there was a tabernacle and you were a part of, you know, one of the tribes and you had committed a sin and God just said, this sin is a great sin before me. And therefore, if you commit this sin, this is the sacrifice that you will bring. And so you commit a sin and you know that it's against the law. You know that God's required an offering or a sacrifice from you. And so you bring, you know, whether it's a a bull or a dove offering or a grain offering, you take the time to um, prepare it to, you know, to gather it. If, If it's a bull offering, there were specifics about it being, you know, a young bull or, or, a bull without blemish. And so you'd have to select it and pick it. And so even right there, you know, there's some details that are going into it, but still you do the details, you bring it over to the temple or the the tabernacle at this time. And the priest takes it. And then all of a sudden the priest doesn't just wave you around. You're there and you realize the detail of the process that now has to take place in the killing and the sacrificing of that animal. Every part of the animal had a specific requirement of what was to be done with it. And for me, what that does is it brings depth to the reality of sin. It brings depth to the reality of sin. It's one thing to say, oh, Lord, you know, I'm I'm sorry I forgot. Um, You know, I'm sorry that I did this. Here's an offering to you. It's another to commit a sin, have to bring an offering before the Lord and then watch the offering process become so intricately done. So like every bit of it was required. It's, it's, I don't know that you'd be standing there and going, oh, what a legalistic God. I think there, I think that you'd be standing there wondering like, what did I do? My sin is serious. And I think that's important for us today because, you know, we we have movies, right? We have movies that uh, depict the death of Christ. And I have run into many, many, many people who have said to me, oh yeah, I watched that movie, but I'll never watch it again. It was too much for me. And I wonder... God doesn't really give an opportunity for that to take place with the priests. Now, now they're also, listen, I understand that there is a fence around the tabernacle. And so um, maybe it wasn't that they had to sit and watch the sacrifice actually take place. But they know, like it's fresh in their minds, the details that were going into the sacrifice itself. And I think that it would be really hard to walk away and not me not be moved to some kind of a deeper level because of the intricacies pointing to how serious 
the sin was and the requirement for that sin became. You know, there's a reality where at some point in our walk with the Lord, I believe that as we grow closer to the Lord and we see and understand a little bit more the depth of the reality of our sin nature and the depth of how corrupt our thoughts are and our hearts are and how deceitful and wicked the intentions of our inner parts are as believers that ought to that ought to bring us to a deeper understanding of the character of God which is holiness and perfection and in doing so the sacrifice that Christ paid becomes that much more significant in our lives. The, the, the movies that we have that depict the death of Christ, yeah, they're gory and they're bloody and they're extremely moving to the soul. But I think a lot of that is because as believers, we realize Christ went through that for me. And it ought to move it ought to move us in that way. You know, there's almost this sense of um well, that's that's too much. And it might be at times. So I'm not saying that everybody needs all of this all the time right away. I'm just I'm just pointing to the reality that it seems like God's called this people out. This people's a sinful people. You know, they, they off the bat have these things that break the heart of God and God is slowly and progressively, but also not watering down too much because there's seriousness in front of them. He's slowly and progressively pointing to the realities of how serious their sin is, of how corrupt their, their hearts are and their intentions are and how, and how deeply sin has affected every area and aspect of life to the point where in our reading this morning, Aaron and Moses go through this whole process of consecrating Aaron's sons. And then on what seems or appears to be the first day, maybe it's not the first day, maybe it's within the first week or there's a longer period of time, but in the recording, it seems to be like it's the first day that they go in to perform their duties, they're consecrated, and the first day they go in and they offer strange fire, the Bible says. And the result of their offering strange fire is they're put to death. And our immediate reaction is, well, God, what, you know, can't you just show grace? And I believe that that's one of the, you know, listen, even this, when we realize the seriousness, it changes the way in which we even view grace and mercy. I mean, how, what, what do grace and mercy actually mean without understanding how bad and serious the situation is, right? So in many ways, what is happening here is God is presenting to the people on a slow but consistent, continual basis how holy he is and how serious sin is is to him that it's it's sin is not something that we just bring to the altar and walk away with and i think even today for us there's a there's an amazing lesson to be learned as you're going through 
the details, the intricacies. We we did an episode a number of of uh, episodes ago, just and I titled it um, "Involved." In how involved God is. Well, as God gets involved, when you have a God who is not able to change, God is not going to all of a sudden not be holy. That's not possible. If you're holy, you can't interact with unholiness. You can't, when a white tie gets a stain on it, the white tie's done. You got to throw the tie out. So there's this holiness aspect where God is dealing very seriously. He's making very serious and very intentional ways for him to dwell among his people. Because at the end of all of this, the reality of the sin, the depth of the sin, the, the great need of the sin and his mercy and, his, and, and, and the depth and the need for his mercy and his grace and his holiness and all of that is beyond even that. There's this massive overarching theme of the reality is that there's this perfect, holy, righteous, amazing God whose desire it is to dwell among his people. I just knocked over my drink. I'm getting all excited. The, the whole reality is his desire to dwell among his people. God is doing these things because they need to be done in order for him to be able to dwell among them. And the whole Old Testament is building this case of the perfection and the holiness of God. It's holding that holiness and yet making a way for that holiness to dwell among the people. I mean, we're talking about outward forms here. I need you to think, church. I need you to, I need you to use... Use your your head and your heart here. I want you to think about the realities of this. If you're a believer, the New Testament says that because of the saving of Christ, because of the covering of the blood of Christ from his sacrifice, and that was a real sacrifice. We're not talking about like he sacrificed some time to do some work. He died. He was the sacrificial lamb. God performed the priestly duty of killing his one and only son incarnate so that you and I might have a final sacrifice that is fully sufficient for the complete covering of our sins. And it was so perfect that it's not just about God dwelling among us now. It's about, it's, it, is, it, it was so perfect that God dwells in us. His Holy, His Spirit resides in us. The Spirit is just as holy. We're, we're talking about three in one. The Trinity is so important here. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Holy Spirit resides in you. It's been, it's been placed within you and sealed in you until the day of redemption as a guarantee, as a promise that you are God's. And now no longer does God dwell among us, like in a tabernacle where we, where we go to the, to the tabernacle and the temple as is being established here in the Old Testament. We are that tabernacle and that temple. And the passage that we're reading today take so seriously even just adding to adding to listen to this all they did everything else that God commanded but they also added their own type of sacrifice and they were put to death it was an outward thing that they did we're not talking about the uncleanness of their heart now of course we know that that 
the meditations of the heart are what the outflow of the life is. So in other words, something in their heart wanted to add. They thought they could bring more to God. So there's there's definitely a piece where their outward sin came from the inward deceitfulness of their hearts, right? So the 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 filthy rags of their of their own good works. So there's that massive aspect that can't be let go. But but if if the example of the holiness of God in that one scenario is not connected to and we don't realize that same God that put Aaron's sons, who were just consecrated, they just went through the process of consecration and they made one mistake and God consumed them with fire. He put them to death. And yet somehow, you have to realize, somehow the Bible declares that God dwells in us. I think that, I hope that, When we look at the intricacies and the seriousness and the requirement of sin over and over and over again and the punishment of not obeying that requirement of sin, for the non-believer ought to bring hopelessness. Like, like. I'm like, this is it. We should walk away. I mean, talk about that, right? I mean, how many relationships, how many times have we come to situations and gone, oh, there's no way I can change. I'm done. We're not talking about change. We're talking about the inability to come anywhere near a perfect, holy, and righteous God. And yet that perfect, holy, and righteous God made a way for you and I to not just come near us, but to dwell in us. So for me, the seriousness of the details point to the holy requirement for sin. And that holy requirement is based upon a holy God whose desire is to dwell among his people who he created with relationship to him. But there's this sin problem that's not just an oops, I'm sorry, it's a mistake in the face of holiness and righteousness. It is complete separation. It is serious and holy. This is why, this is why when we talk about maturity, a mature person in their character does not become immature. A mature person still holds on to their maturity. They don't stoop down to the level and behave like and be like someone who is just being brought into a place of maturity. No, they stay where they are, but they meet with those and they help bring them up. This is where, you know, you want to talk about, you know, in our day, I had a little bit, a little bit of an issue with how we've been redefining love in our culture. All of a sudden, love means me coming down on the same level as others, whether that's with fear, right? If they're afraid, then if I'm going to love them, which means that then that means that I have to be afraid or, or, um, you know, if they're afraid of dying, well, I have to be afraid of dying with them. That's not, that's not how God handles him. God doesn't say, 
oh, you, it, it, I'm sorry that you're afraid. I'm afraid too. I understand. No, he says, I'm holy. Be not afraid. Fear not. Fear. Don't fear anything but me and my seriousness. I created you for myself and I'm making a way for myself to be able to be among a sinful and holy people who have turned away from me. He provides that sacrifice through Christ and Christ, that, that doesn't make any of this any lighter other than the fact that I think sometimes we don't have any, we lose sight of the seriousness of what it took and takes for Christ to still, for us to still be covered with the blood of Christ is like an unbelievable feat. I mean, it changes the it changes the definition of the conquering of the grave and the and the washed in the blood. I mean, we're not we're we're talking about some serious ugly stuff. We're talking about sacrifice and butchering and and burning and and entrails and fat being separated from the liver and the kidneys and like we're talking about a serious a serious state of affairs as a result of having to take place in order for God's ultimate end goal, which is his dwelling among us, which is an amazing, amazing blessing. But how much, how much more meaningful does that become when we understand how serious the consequence of sin and how seriously involved the dealing with that sin truly is. If the same holy and righteous God dwells within us, his spirit is within us. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us of sin. But we don't have a detailed, serious picture of sin. How serious do we take what Christ really did for us. I hope that moves you today. I hope that that draws you closer to God, that you realize today how deep Christ coming, dwelling among a sinful people, loving us before we loved him. We are able to love now because he first loved us. laying his life down, picking it back up again, and then calling us forth into that newness of life, that the same, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the one that now dwells within us. And we can't separate from the holiness aspect. The Holy Spirit is not like less holy than God the Father. Nor is he less holy than Christ the Son. He has a different role, but it's still God. Holy, righteous, set apart. There's none like him. And sin is a serious offense and separator. Man, I hope these things place a little bit more of an emphasis on you realizing to maybe like maybe today 
maybe today you would get a little bit more of a clearer picture of how much God desires to be with you and to walk with you. Like what has happened, what he has done, what he has recorded for us, how he has made a way that that making a way, even at the very rudimentary early stages His love for you and I. If you're listening to this, you have some kind of an understanding of who God is. I, I, and maybe I wrongfully would assume that, yeah, I'm not going to wrongfully assume that everyone has received Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Um, but the inclination to even want to read the Word on a consistent basis is a testimony to the fact that God is doing something in your life. And I hope that today, if there's anything else that you get out of reading through these sacrificial requirements in the Old Testament, that you would just get that, that, that the overcoming of this alone is enough to point to the depth of God's love for you and I. So I hope that that answers, I, I think that it answered the question when it was asked. And I want you to know, please like send those, send those things over. If I don't get to see you on Sunday or you're thinking through something, it doesn't mean I'll always use it. I'll do my best to always respond. Um, but I would love, I would, I mean, there's, that's what, I, that's why I'm a pastor. I love to interact with people in the word. And if I can't answer the question, I want to get into the word together to ask the question. There's never a dumb one. There's never a too complicated one. Sometimes the too complicated ones just come back to the fact that our God is mysterious. And, and the answer is just that God hasn't specifically told us, or at least he hasn't specifically revealed us to it, re revealed it to us yet. You know, there, there, are, there are passages in the scripture that actually declare to us that we're going to spend eternity still searching out the riches of the character of God. Like, think about that. There's no, there's no, there is no bit of too shallow or too intricate of a question about wondering and engaging and walking with and asking God, right? Just like we would, I hope that we would do in our everyday relations. You want to get to know somebody, somebody more? What do you do? You ask them questions. <laughs> you ask them questions. God's made a way for us to come boldly into the throne room of grace. And he, he says, like, interact with me. Ask me. Ask me. I want to show you. Let's do that together. Let's do it together. I hope you're blessed today. I know this is a little bit more of a longer one. I got the this, this snow outside of my window here. And uh, I'm just, yeah, it's a new week. His mercy, his grace, his love. I hope that, I hope that today, today you would even if it's just a little bit more of an understanding of the depth of God's love for you, you would lean into that. You are loved. God has first loved us and then calls us to love. And that truth is one that ought to ground your every morning. The God of the universe loves me. The holy, perfect, righteous, amazing God of the universe loves me me and made a way for me to love him. 
lean into that this morning. Remember, there's show notes below. God bless you. And uh, Lord willing, I'll see you in the morning tomorrow.